And some of us, even tonight, won't. And so as we're playing on our phones or talking to the person next to us or drifting off to sleep or whatever it is that we're doing, we're actually going to become living examples of exactly the thing that Jesus is warning about, warning us about in this passage. The way we listen to Jesus is a matter of eternal life or eternal death. It's big stuff. I'm going to pray that we'd listen well tonight. Let's pray. Oh, Todd has prayed already. I'm going to pray again though. Let's pray. Father, I pray that tonight as we hear your word, we'd listen. Help us to be listeners who, who respond rightly to your words. Amen. All right, now this passage that we're looking at tonight is actually, it's a pretty simple passage. Have we got the PowerPoint? Yeah, we do. Good. Uh, it's a pretty simple passage, right? You've got two halves to it. The first half is what's called a parable. Now, a parable is just a story with a meaning behind it. And so Jesus tells a parable for the first half, and then in the second half, Jesus explains what this parable means. And so you can kind of see the structure up on the screen there. There, It's beautiful. It's right there. And so basically, verse 4, you get the context. Jesus has got this massive crowd gathering to him as he's going to tell them about this stuff in verse 4. Verses 5 to 8 unfolds this parable, tells them this story which has got a meaning. Verse 9, his disciples after the story go, Jesus, what does this thing mean? What Tell us what the meaning of what you just said is. Verses uh, 10 through to 15, Jesus tells them what he just told them in the parable and the whole meaning. And here's what it means. The seed in this parable, he tells a story about a farmer and stuff, the seed is God's word. Where that seed lands all over the different places is all these different types of soil and they represent the way different people respond to hearing God's word. The first three types of soil are like a warning from Jesus and he's saying this is not how you want to do it. The first three, bad, no good. The last one is the right way to listen to God. And so the good thing is tonight, as we look at Jesus' words and really pay attention to it, we don't need to go and kind of make up kind of all these strange ideas about what we think it is. You know, I think the farmer is blah, blah. No, no, Jesus tells us exactly what this means. He's given us the meaning. So all we need to do is pay close attention, look at what he's saying, and we're going to hear clearly what God is saying to us tonight. And so here's the first thing. Here's the first first type of soil, the first seed. And here's what Jesus is saying. He says, first of all, be careful how you listen because you've got an enemy who wants to keep you from hearing God's word. You can see that in verse 5. Check it in your, look at it in your Bibles if you've got Bibles there. Here's the first type of seed. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Now, it could mean anything, but if we look at verse 11 and 12, we'll see exactly what it means. So look at verse 11 and 12. Here's what it means. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So these people are people who hear. They hear a bunch of words. But in the end, it says that they don't actually hear anything at all. They they hear some words, but they don't hear at all. It doesn't make any sense to them. Words get said. Maybe there's a talk at youth group or a friend talks to them about Jesus or whatever, but nothing comes from it before it even gets anywhere. It's over. It's gone. They don't believe, and so it says that they're not saved. 
And so notice as well there, there's a connection between hearing God's words and being saved. Hearing God's words, believing in them, putting your trust in them, and, and you'll be saved. And the claim of the Bible is that Jesus, this is the words of the Bible, the claim of the Bible is that Jesus was a man who died on the cross to save sinners. And so if we put our trust in him, hear those words, trust Jesus, then we'll be saved. Hearing and believing in Jesus is the only hope that anyone has to be saved. And so why don't people believe these words when they hear them? Because they're just a bit distracted, they weren't listening well, because they just thought it wasn't worth paying attention to. Maybe they just weren't persuaded by the evidence that it was true. Whatever, we might have all sorts of ideas. But Jesus says that it's because we have an enemy who doesn't want us to hear. And his name is Satan. Now, this is weird stuff, and we don't talk much about this at youth, but this is what the Bible says. You have an enemy, his name is Satan, and it's his job to stop you hearing God's word. Now, if you guys are new to this stuff, you might hear that, and you'll be like, that's pretty weird. I don't know what you're talking about. You're just telling me about the devil and all that kind of stuff. Maybe I've just confirmed like every single stereotype you ever had about Christians in your head. You know, Christians are the ones who are going to tell you that the devil's going to get you. And I've just told you that, but... That's what the Bible's saying. You have an enemy, his name is Satan, and he's all about stopping you from hearing God's word. And if you don't believe in Satan, well, the fact is he's probably stoked that that's the case. If you think this is all just some kind of fairy tale or whatever that's made up to scare people, I reckon the devil's cheering. Because just imagine for a second, imagine that there is a spiritual world, right? There's a, there's a God and there's, there's a devil. If that devil, that evil guy, right, wanted you to not hear the words of God, what would he do to try and make that happen? One option is kind of like the Hollywood angle, right? He could paranormal activity style, scare you, jump on in the night or whatever, do scary things, jump on you out of trees or whatever, possess you and all these kind of things that you see in movies and all that kind of stuff, right? But I reckon if I was to experience some sort of an attack like that from Satan, in the end, all that's going to make me do is go, Man, there really is a devil and he just attacked me, which means there really is a God who I need to trust. But if that devil was able to persuade me that he doesn't even exist at all, then that's actually that's pretty effective. Because if he doesn't exist, well, God guy probably doesn't exist either, and then who really cares about this crap? There's a quote from a movie called The Usual Suspects, which is even older than that other movie, The Beach. And this is a quote. The greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. It's a good quote. And Jesus is saying right here, there is a devil. There is Satan and he's against us. And the thing that he's concerned about is seeing people not hear the words of God. Because if we fail to hear these words, then we won't put our trust in them and we won't be saved. Pretty serious stuff. Because I reckon as you sit here at youth group every week, week in, week out, or maybe if it's your first night, I reckon this can seem like pretty boring, mundane stuff. We're sitting in a stuffy room with like 100 people talking about some book from hundreds of years ago and some old guy with no hair is talking about it. Like, what is this? This seems like it's pretty mundane, boring stuff. But the reality is, according to Jesus' words here, 
There is a spiritual battle going on right now as we open up God's word and listen to it. It is Satan's desire, it's his, it's his wish to see these words snatched from our minds and from our hearts and so that we don't believe and so we're not saved. And that might happen for you tonight if you sit there as someone who doesn't believe this stuff at all and says, you know what, that's a bunch of rubbish. Satan's going good. <laughs> that might happen for you tonight as you get sleepy and distracted and play on your phone and whisper to the person next to you and just kind of switch off. Satan is cheering at every time we don't listen to the words of God because hearing God's words means salvation. And so, guys, don't be fooled. Realise what's going on as we open up the word of God. Listen as we continue to look at the Bible tonight and, and listen every time you open up the Bible, whether it's on your own when you're reading the Bible, in your G-teams, in a talk, whatever. Listen to what's going on. But that's not all that Jesus has to say about this whole idea of listening because here's his second point. He warns us to be careful how we listen because hard times are going to come. You can see this seed, this soil, sorry, in verse 6. Look at verse 6. Some seed fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Now, what does that mean? Look at verse 13. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. So this seed produces a plant. Something happens and it looks good. This plant shoots up and it looks all real and exciting and good, but just as quickly as it shoots up, it withers and it dies again. So this is the person who hears something of the good news about Jesus. They hear it and they go, this sounds great. I want to be a, I'm a, I want to be a Christian. I'm in. I love this thing. And they make all sorts of commitments so they love Jesus. But a couple of months later, it's as if they never met Jesus in the first place and they just drift away. I reckon sometimes we can treat a commitment to Jesus like a primary school relationship, right? You know, boyfriend and girlfriends when you're in primary school, you know, your friend kind of gets this girlfriend and they're like inseparable and they're holding hands in the playground and sitting together at lunch and in class together, sitting together, talking and stuff. They're like, it's like the best thing in the world and they're so keen. But then like a week later you see a friend and you're like, hey man, where'd your girlfriend go? And he's like, oh, it wasn't working out. She, she said I had stupid hair and I was like, yeah, this, this can't work. So we're, we're done. And it's over. Like, and it, just like that, as quickly as it started, it's over. I reckon particularly young people can easily do the exact same thing with Jesus. Talk big and it looks like the biggest thing in the world and just like that, it's over. I see this happen every year after fat. Who's looking forward to fat? It's going to be good, yeah? In a few weeks' time, we're going away. It's going to be good. Every year, right, we get psyched. We go around this camp. It's called fat. And, and we get into the Bible like no other time in the year, man. We're just reading the Bible and hearing talks and it's so good. And like the singing is so great. And we're having this great time together singing. We play these crazy games and you're making friends. And it's just the best thing ever, right? And we come home from fat. And I don't know, like 20, 30 people will go, I, I think I became a Christian this, this year. And we'll hear that and we'll go, that's great. That's exciting. And for lots of those people, they do. How many of you guys became Christians on fat at different times? You probably don't even realize it and you're off shy. That's all right. Lots of people do, right? But the thing is, out of those people who come home, one by one, there's a whole bunch of people as well 
who slowly drift away. And it always, well not always, but it often ends up happening when things get hard. See, notice in verse 13, the thing that causes the plant to wither and die is that it, the, the person, the Christian, faces hard times. See, here's a, here's a statement for you guys. Anything in life is easy until it gets hard. That's pretty simple. It's a, some of you are laughing because it's pretty darn obvious. Following Jesus, right, it's easy until it gets hard. It seriously is. And so what happens is you see these people who go, yeah, I love following Jesus or whatever, but only a Christian with deep roots is going to keep on following Jesus when everyone else at school starts laughing at them and teasing them because they're a Christian. Only a Christian with deep roots is going to keep following Jesus when they work out how hard it is to live a life fighting sin and temptation. Only a Christian with deep roots is going to keep going when their parents get split up or something terrible happens and their life starts to fall apart. That's when it starts to get hard. And so what do we do? What do we do with this warning here? Grow deep roots. So guys, talking about that for a second, I reckon there's a bunch of people here tonight who I'm confident have already great depth to their Christian life. They've put down deep roots. They've been Christians for years. They've faced hard times and they've had good times and they've stuck at it through it. And so to you guys, I want to say keep on growing as Christians and keep pushing on. That's awesome. But I do want to say that I reckon there's a second group of people tonight who, to be honest, I'm, I'm scared for. I'm worried for a whole bunch of you guys. And I'm worried because it could be you don't even realise how vulnerable and fragile your Christian life is. So I hope that all of you guys who claim to follow Jesus are Christians. I hope that's the case. But I reckon for me and for you, for a lot of us, we're yet to see how deep your Christian roots are. See, maybe you've become a Christian recently, and that's awesome if that's the case. But you've got a lot to learn. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but... It's never really been hard, you've never been tested, and, and you haven't really had to face anything difficult as a Christian. Guys, what I want to say is, man, make sure that you grow some deep roots. We have a series that a bunch of our leaders run at youth called Following Jesus. And the whole point of the series is five weeks of just catching up and reading the Bible together. And it's specifically designed for people who are new Christians who are just learning the ropes of how it all works. And so, guys, if you're a new Christian or you haven't been around for that long or whatever, talk to your leader and say, man, I need some looking after. Can you hook me up? Let's meet up. Let's talk about this thing following Jesus or just catch up and read the Bible together. Do something. Get looked after as a Christian. Join a G team. Get into God's word. Grow deep roots so that when hard times come, because they will, you'll be okay. Here's the third type of soil that Jesus talks about. And here's what Jesus says. He says, be careful how you listen because there's a whole bunch of background noise that's going to go on in life. You can see this type of soil in verse 7. Check out verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And what's that talking about? Look at verse 14. The seed that fell among, that fell among thorns stands for those who hear 
But as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures and they don't mature. So there's these thorns that grow up alongside these plants and they choke out God's word. They crush it. There is a plant, but it very quickly just gets squashed and so it dies. Guys, there's a whole bunch of background noise going on in our lives as we seek to follow God and listen to his voice. And ultimately, if that background noise manages to choke out God's voice, then we won't make it as Christians. I'll give you a picture of what this looks like. I'm going to give you an illustration, right? Um, who have I got here? Fish, right? Fish, I want to give you a message. It's a really important message. So, like, pretend my voice is God's voice for a second, right? I'm going to be talking to Fish, giving him a message. All you guys, you get to be background noise. So you do whatever you've got to do. You yell, you scream, you jump around. Do whatever you've got to do to stop Fish hearing this message. You, you guys understand what you're about to do right now? You've got to make a bunch of noise and stop him. He's ready. He's shuffling his seat. Just don't deafen him. Don't, like, cup your ears over his, and <laughs> your hands over his ears and scream because he'll, he'll burst his eardrums. All right, here's the message. You ready? Here he goes. I really thought that at the end of the Hobbit, like there's this scene where Gandalf he gets the fine points and he's swelling at the goblins, and you're like, why is Gandalf? <laughs> that was overwhelming. I don't know if you could hear, but I couldn't hear. I was gone. I could, I, I could feel my mouth moving, and I was just hearing noise. It was terrifying. Did you hear my message, Fish? Yeah. I think this illustration worked too well because that wasn't exactly the point. You were meant to, it was meant to be hard to hear, but he just couldn't hear it all. Right? <laughs> but if, if that had worked better and you guys weren't so good at screaming, that's a picture <laughs> of what's going on in life as we listen to God. On one hand, you do have God's voice loud and clear speaking to you, but you've got all these other competing voices yelling and stuff like that. And it's not normally that terrifyingly loud, but you get the point. Now... Notice that these competing voices, right, this background noise, these weeds, these thorns in this passage, the things he lists aren't necessarily bad things. You know, the first thing he talks about there, worries of life. That's just like important stuff that's going on. It's not like it's evil to have worries of life, but there's stuff going on in your life. Money, pleasure. Now, pleasure, he could be talking about sinful stuff. He could be talking about... I don't know, getting drunk on the weekend and sleeping around at parties or whatever. Um, or he could just be talking about like innocent good stuff, a hobby, fun stuff, going to the beach, playing sport, whatever it is you enjoy. This isn't necessarily evil, bad stuff, but used the wrong way, it can grow up and be like a, a weed, a thorn that kills your Christian life. There's a quote here from a guy called J.C. Ryle who I've got like a man crush on, except he's like 400 years dead or whatever, right? Uh, here's his quote. He says, he's talking about this passage, J.C. Ryle. He says, Thousands of little things which in and of themselves are innocent when followed to excess become little better than soul poisons and helps on the way to hell. It's a good quote. And I reckon it makes pretty clear the problem with what can happen with these worries, money, pleasures. Not bad things, but used the wrong way. There's a problem. And so what do we do with this warning? <laughs> well, what's a good thing to do with warnings? Once again, listen to it. <laughs> know that these innocent things that aren't necessarily bad can choke out your Christian life if you're not careful, depending on how you relate to them. 
So let's work our way through that list real quick and think about where this hits for us. Worries in this life. A whole bunch of you guys are going to do the HSC this year. A whole bunch of you are trying to get a job. A whole bunch of you are probably trying to get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Or you've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you're trying really hard to keep a hold of them because they want to break up with you or whatever. All right? and, so, and so these things, these worries or whatever your concerns are in life, can really easily consume us. They can become the thing that we live for and, and just take over our lives. And so don't live for these things. Don't let these things rule your life, these concerns that you have. Live to hear God's word and obey him, not for whatever your worries are in life or money. I reckon all of us know the, the, the feeling of going, I wonder what it would be like if I just had more money. Like if I just had a little bit more money, I could afford a new computer. If I had a little bit more money, I could afford a car. That would be the best thing in the world. If I had a little bit more money, I could go overseas in January this year. And so we, we all know what that's like, but the problem is if we follow that and follow that and follow that, very quickly it becomes a love of money that will take over your life. And guys, as you get older, you're only going to get more money unless you, I don't know, strike out real bad. You're probably going to end up with more money and it's going to get harder and harder not to fall in love with money. So, last one, pleasure's there. I reckon this is my number one danger right now, letting pleasure take over my life. So I've been a Christian for a while, or, or like a, a good amount of time now, right? I know that on a weekend I'm not supposed to, you know, go crazy and do nut stuff and, I don't know, go to parties and get drunk and do all sorts of silly stuff like that. That's not my problem. But I'll tell you what, the Bible never said anything you know, the Bible never said anything about don't watch too much TV with your wife. The Bible never said anything about don't spend all day playing games and mucking around or just going to the beach all the time and, and just living for that. Because those things, they're not wrong. They're not sin. The Bible's clear on that. They're good things to be enjoyed to the glory of God. But the problem is it gets really, really easy to kind of do what you know you're supposed to do as a Christian, read your Bible, go to church or whatever, but live for the next fun thing that's coming. Live for the next holiday. Live for the next weekend. Live for the next night off where you can actually do what you want to do and have a bit of fun. Everyone likes pleasure, but we can't be ruled by our pleasures. We can't be ruled by the things that we enjoy so that we live for them instead of living for God because it will turn into a thorny plant that will choke out God's voice in our life. Here's a little test that you can kind of do on yourself if you want to think about whether this is your problem with any of those things, right? Answer these questions in your own head. What do you dream about and think about when you get a chance to just think about whatever you want? What do you daydream about? What do you love to spend your time on? When you've got free time, what's the thing that you just love? If you've got money, what do you spend it on? What are you willing to make all sorts of sacrifices for? Now, this isn't always the case, but those sort of things, those questions will often point to where our heart is at. And the problem is, if our heart 
lies with the concerns we've got going on in life or the love of money or just having fun and pleasure, if that's where our hearts are constantly drifting and that's where it's all at for us, then it could be that that's a thing that actually is a thorn growing up and choking out God's voice. And so don't let that happen. Last seed that Jesus mentions in this, uh, in this parable is the right response to hearing God's words. Uh, it's the fourth one there. And here's what Jesus says. He says, be careful how you listen because right listening must create a response. Check out verse 8. He says, Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. What does that mean? Verse 15, look at it there. But the seed on good soil stands for those who with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So this is talking about a listening to God's word that actually goes somewhere. There's a result. There's a massive crop, a hundred times what the seed was worth type thing. And and Jesus is saying the exact same thing. He he kind of fills out what he's saying in the next two examples. So check out verses 16 to 18. Did anyone look at this in G-Team today, this lamp stand stuff? Yeah, I think this is what he's talking about. Look at verse 16. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in, uh, come in can see the light. So you don't hide stuff that's meant to be seen. It's going to get seen. That's the whole point. Verse 17. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed uh, that will not be known or brought into the open. Here's the warning. Therefore... Consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. So that little section there is about listening. And the point is, be careful how you listen because your listening must result in a response. If there's no response, that's going to be exposed. It will be brought to light and it will be obvious what kind of a person you really are. It will show one day that you're not actually a follower of Jesus if there's no response to your listening to God. You get the same idea, verse 20, 21. He has another uh, live example. Jesus lives it out. Verse 20, someone says to Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. And so Jesus is saying, my real family, real Christians, are the ones who hear God's word and put it into practice. They produce a crop. And so, guys, this warning is super serious stuff. Watch how you listen because it must result in something that's put into practice. Now, how do you respond to this warning that Jesus gives us? I reckon the mistake would be to become like fatalistic about it. I don't know if you guys would know what I mean by that. But the mistake would be to go, oh, man, I sure hope that I'm the right type of soil. Like there's the four bad soils and I could be one of them. I really want to be the good soil. I sure hope I'm the right one. I don't know. This is really upsetting and sad. I don't know what to do about this. That's kind of been fatalistic. Like which soil am I? 
The point is, that's not why Jesus is saying this stuff. That's a, that's, a, that's a wrong response. Jesus is saying what he's saying to these people, to us, so that we'll hear it and we'll take action. Not so we'll kind of wallow and wonder who we are and what kind of soil we are. Make sure you're the right type of soil. Make sure you are the good soil. How do you do that? It's all in verse 15. First thing, come to God's word with a good heart. Come ready to hear God speak. Come with a soft heart towards God that's ready to hear what he has to say to you. Always open the Bible with a soft heart that wants to hear what God has to say. And when you do that, number two, really listen to God's word. Grab any opportunity you can to hear God speak. And when you do, man, pay attention. Listen to the God of the universe speak to you. Number three, retain God's word. That means remembering what he's just said to you. Now, you could do that in all sorts of ways. You could go away and you could memorize parts of the Bible, memorize verses and stuff like that. That's a great thing to do. I reckon a really helpful thing that we need to work on as a group is talking about the stuff we've just heard from God's word. See, in a moment, we're going to finish up here. We're going to go and hang out, do stuff, play games, all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you guys went away and talked about the things you'd heard in God's word tonight and talked about what it will mean for your life today and tomorrow and next week and really thought about what this means and talked it over with a mate, I guarantee it will sink in and you'll retain it. So retain God's word. Let it cement into your life. Number four, last one. It says persevere at producing a crop. Now, I get to talk to lots of you guys week in, week out, and it's awesome. And I talk to young guys and girls at youth who are frustrated at their struggle with sin and the way they want to grow as a Christian, but they continue to really find that hard. And I talk to people who are going, man, this sucks. I'm trying real hard here to be godly. I've got this thing going on. Why can't I be godly? Why does this keep happening to me? Why, 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 why? And the only answer is, it's pretty simple. It's a sucky one to hear sometimes, but here it is. Persevere. Keep doing what you're doing. Week in, week out. But not just for like a week. Year in, year out, persevere. And God will do incredible things in your life and will produce a crop of godliness as you follow Jesus. Guys, be careful how you listen to God's word. Believe the gospel, number one. Don't let Satan snatch it away from you before you even put your trust in it. Number two, put down deep roots. Number three, don't let God's word be choked out by anything else. Number four, persevere at producing a crop. That's Jesus' words to us tonight. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you so much that you've given us your voice. Thank you that we have your words here in the Bible. Father, please let us be good soil. Let us be good listeners of your word. Father, as we face all sorts of challenges in this, in this way, I pray that you'd be with us and be helping us. Amen.